When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Rocky Cast. For this episode, we're going to focus on habits, in particular what I'm calling micro-keystone habits. This is a synthesis of the work of two great writers on habits, James Clear, author of Atomic Habits, and Charles Duhigg, author of The Power of Habits. We're going to talk about both of their work and we're going to mix their work together to hopefully offer you a technique to actually achieve positive change for yourself in 2021. I'm going to start off with the work of James Clear. One of the most important aspects of James Clear is how clear he is, if I may say, in explaining why so often goals don't work. We so often do not reach our goals. And I think when you think about the beginning of the year, you think about resolutions. Resolutions are, what are they? They're really intense goals. Why don't we achieve them? Well, what I like about James Clear is that he explains why. And the issue is, is that we don't actually change our behavior to reach our goal or our really strong resolution. And so I think it's important that we talk about, one, how James Clear identifies in particular how you're to achieve your goals and aspirations through behavior change. And two, We're going to mix that work together with the work of Charles Duhigg and cover the topic of keystone habits. So let's get started and talk about clear first. First off, I confess, I'm a little bit hard in resolutions. They obviously serve some purpose. They are a firm commitment to reach a goal. So, So they do give us at least the vision. They help us set the coordinates as to how we're going to get there. But why often, why so often do we not get there? Well, we don't get there because we don't think about how. And every self-help book, they all promise that they're going to change your life. But so often, they really just end up being platitudes. Lean in. Um, fake it till you make it. You know, all these sort of phrases. And, you know, anything by Tony Robbins. All these sort of phrases are good. I'm a believer in the power of positive thinking. I'm a believer in feeling good about yourself, but that really doesn't change your life. You have to change your life through behavior change. Now, a lot of you may say like, well, yeah, I already know that. I already know that I need to change my behavior. If I want to get in shape, I got to exercise more. If I want to write, I want to write more. I I already know that. Why is it new? Well, I think what makes clear very compelling is this concept of atomic habits. I'm coining what I hope is a new word, micro habits. I'm borrowing from James a little bit, but I'm, I'm giving him attribution, so don't get all riled up. But what Clear is very good about doing is in terms of the atomic habits is that anytime you're trying to behave your behavior, he realizes it's really, really hard. And I think one way to think about Clear in terms of why he's so important is he's sort of the anti-TED Talk. I'm not saying he's against TED Talks, but so often TED Talks 
or a 20-minute vignette from someone who's already achieved great things. I think the idea is, is to inspire you to learn so maybe you can do something good. But I see so many people that don't really realize how hard change is. So I, I think that clear is almost the type of thinker that will help you actually achieve a result that will make you do something really good that maybe will lead to a TED Talk later on. He's almost sort of a proto-TED Talk. But, so why is it important to break these little habits down into little tiny, tiny, tiny pieces? Because that's the easiest way to change your behavior. He realizes that anytime you change your behavior, it's hard. If you want to become a writer, you got to write. If you want to play the piano, you got to play the piano. People know that. But so often they, th- they make all these excuses as to why they aren't able to do it. And what is excuse number one as to why you're not able to practice the piano or why you're not able to write? You don't have enough time. That's why. That's what we tell ourselves. Well, Claire says that's bunk. You absolutely have the time. And two, you also need to make that behavior repeatable over time or you won't make substantive change. So what he encourages you to do is, instead of writing a novel or saying, I got to write the great American novel, what he wants you to do is he wants you to commit the smallest unit of the thing that you want to do. So if you're talking about um, writing a book, instead of writing a book, he says, you need to commit to writing one sentence every day. Well, who doesn't have the time to write a sentence? You have the time to write a sentence. And so why is that so important? Because try it. If you want to write more, write. But what happens when you sit down to write one sentence every day? Well, you write usually more than one sentence. You get in the habit, you get in the routine of being a writer. Um, This reminds me of the work of Stephen Greenfield, The War of Art. What he talks about is in order to do great work, you have to commit to doing your craft every single day. And he realizes that most of the time when you do your work, a lot of it is going to suck. It's going to be horrible. But you need to commit to do the work. Well, when you think about James Clear, what he allows you to do is to build your habit muscle. So all of a sudden, you start thinking about, you don't even think about writing every day. So one of the things I've done, and I hope you can do it, I want to become a writer. I want to become a podcaster. I want to become a blogger. So I've committed every morning to sit down and write. Not all of my blog posts are great, rocknicole.com, you can check them out, but I've made that commitment. And I'm telling you, for the first time in my life, I've actually had a routine and regular writing habit. Um, we'll see where it goes, but I'm thinking about potentially writing a book sometime. Never would have imagined I'd be able to do that, but now I know one thing for sure, I can write every day. So guess what? I'm a writer. This comes straight out of Aristotle. You are what you do every day. And here's the quote. Write this one down. Clear says that we, that every action that we take is a vote for the person that we want to become. Isn't that good? Every action we take is a vote for the person we want to become. So that's what you can do and is within all of your power because we do have the time. I think time is probably one of the things that we humans are worst at appreciating and worst at saving. 
We have it all around us, but we waste it. Now, if you're saying, I'm too busy, I don't have time, please, you do. You have the time. Are you really saying you're not on social media? You have the time. Are you really saying you don't spend a lot of time looking at your phone or watching TV? You have the time. And if you're too exhausted, people can have that thing. I get that. Some people have really stressful jobs. That's where I get back down to a a sentence a day. You can do one sentence a day. Come on, you can do it. So that is one of these techniques that seems very obvious after the fact. But how often don't we do that? I've talked to so many people that talk about, oh, I don't have enough time to do the art. I don't have enough time to be a writer. Well, essentially, what what they're doing is they're just making an excuse. And and most writing, most creative work sucks. You know, I think of the work of Chris Rock. I don't know where I heard this, but uh, it's one of the books on creativity that I've read. But Chris Rock, the great comedian, essentially what he does... Every single tour that he does, before he goes out on tour, he goes and essentially does open mic night at a comedy club. And supposedly, the great Chris Rock, a lot of his jokes totally bomb. He totally does. But what is, it, what is he doing? First of all, he's getting himself into comedic shape. He's getting the timing. He's getting the rhythm. He's seen what works. He's seen what doesn't. I found this with my podcast. You know, some of you had said, oh, are you doing a few too many uh, podcasts on fasting? Well, you know what? I've had a lot of views. People get interested in that stuff. So I'm sort of responding to what my market wants. Chris Rock does that. He sees what makes people laugh because ultimately, who do you write for? You write for an audience. You create for an audience. I think sometimes you see these people that are saying, oh, I'm a solitary genius. They just don't get great work. Come on. If you're an artist, the act of art is creating a new reality that an audience receives it's not to be a candle on the wind. And I'm a firm believer that it's sort of like, uh, you know, if a, if a tree falls in the forest and no one hears it, it doesn't make a sound. Well, I think with art, if, if you don't share your art with other people, it's not art. You've you got to let the public know. And that's been part of my own personal development in terms of sharing my work with you. Now, if you've made it this far, hopefully you've had some degree of interest in what I'm getting out there. My goal with these podcasts is to get you interested in all of these writers, all of these ideas, to hopefully be able to get you excited about these ideas and to improve your life. So take it to the bank. If you read Atomic Habits, you will change your life. Again, it's the anti-TED Talk. It is the anti-TED Talk. That's the knock on TED Talks. They just make it look so simple, but they don't tell you how to get there. Well, Claire's like, no. Within all of you, you all have the incredible ability to do great things. And he shows you a great set of techniques to get there. But so let's also connect Clear with the work of Charles Duhigg. It's sort of funny because Clear does uh, give credit to Charles Duhigg in his writing, but you sort of felt like he had to because Duhigg did his book first. I think they're sort of habit competitors. Uh, But the thing I like about Charles Duhigg is he has this concept called keystone habits. This is important because what's one of the problems when you try to change your life? You try to bite too much. You try to change five things at once. It's almost impossible to do that. So if you're thinking about ways that you can improve your life, for me it's been fasting. One thing, one time, one change has had a huge impact on my health, my finances, 
um, my relationships, my energy levels. It's great. I've done plenty of podcasts on fasting. You can check them out on other parts of my podcast. But Duhigg talks about the Keystone Habits. And here he gives this very interesting vignette with the great CEO of Alcoa, Paul O'Neill, in which O'Neill is appointed, and he primarily prior to the time that he was appointed at Alcoa in the mid-1980s, he really didn't have that much experience in the business sector. He was sort of a public sector bureaucrat number cruncher, not a dynamic speaker. Check him out. Check out my blog. I, I provide some links on Paul O'Neill. Uh, he is not super dynamic. And by the way, I'm not talking about the Yankee baseball player. I'm talking about the O'Neill, double L O'Neill, the boring one, the old guy. So O'Neill comes in, first meeting the shareholders. And he says, my goal is worker safety. That's my number one priority. In fact, that's my only priority as CEO. And the shareholders are like, uh, uh, okay, we want worker safe too, but what about the money? What about the profits? Are you supposed, we, you know, we're shareholders. You need to give us money. That's what we are as shareholders. That's what your duty is to us. And he said, no, my focus is worker safety. A lot of them sold. They're like, how, how can you possibly be a decent CEO if you're only concerned on worker safety? Well, why was it important, important according to Charles Duhigg? Well, this was considered a keystone habit. That habit that if you change that one thing, it radiates throughout so many other domains, the finances, the structure, the safety protocols, all of those things depend upon that one linchpin. So here's what happened with Alcoa. After they had a commitment to worker safety, what did they have to do? They had to get very good protocols in place to ensure that they would implement these great um, safety protocols. Second, obviously, if workers aren't getting as seriously injured, then they're not going to have a workers' compensation claim. So the workers' compensation insurance isn't expensive. They're not going to have workers dying. That's also obviously a very good thing. Also going to have a substantial improvement. Fourth, those experienced workers, instead of being injured, they're going to be on the job. So they're going to be more productive and you won't have training. The other thing is, is in order to have safety, you have to have a conversation between when the workers are on the line or in the factory and with their bosses. So this is a very dangerous industry. A lot of really hot metal, obviously with, with manufacturing of aluminum and, and shaping the aluminum, very dangerous industry. They had to have good communication protocols between the workers. Workers had to be empowered to make safety decisions. They had to be able to report in a candid way up to their bosses. In turn, the bosses had to make sure that there were good systems in place to ensure that there was worker safety and that everyone was held accountable if there was any accidents. And so what would happen? Well, they started this conversation of up-down communication and also as a team. So the workers developed sort of a collegial atmosphere. And then all of a sudden, once they had this up horizontal and vertical communication, they were also communicating other pieces of information like, hey, maybe we can improve this particular technique. Maybe we could do this business plan a little bit better. They had more of an attention to detail. Well, if you have an attention to detail about worker safety, maybe you also have attention to detail about profitability. So this one change led to so many other positive outcomes. So to synthesize both of their work, Clear talks about atomic habits, breaking habits down into little tiny chunks Duhigg talks about keystone habits, those habits that hold everything together. So I'm encouraging you for 2021 to adopt 
one tiny micro habit. One thing you want to change, break it down into a little tiny piece, a micro habit. And when to pick which one you want to change, only pick one, but pick one that you think is going to be a keystone habit. That's going to be up to you. For me, it was my weight. Um, I never thought that fasting would lead to greater health, reducing my type 2 diabetes, less visits to the doctor, greater energy, greater systems, um, greater attention to detail. In numerous different domains, fasting has been it for me. For you, that's going to be up for you to decide, but I think I'm excited to see what you end up doing. So share with me your views and, and your your um, outcomes with implementing micro keystone habits. Now, of course, the flip side of the micro keystone habit is the micro train wreck keystone habit. Or I think I'm sort of trying to figure out what would be the opposite of a keystone habit. I've tried to coin the word train wreck habits. I'm not sure that's really the right one. So for now, I'm calling them anti-keystones. Well, for me, I would say the biggest anti-keystone habit that is a bad habit that um, affects numerous other domains for me, it's alcohol, right? I hardly drink any alcohol. I drink probably about once once a week. But alcohol is one of those things, you get very little benefit out of it. And think about all the negative consequences of alcohol. It costs money, you don't feel as good, you're a little bit groggier, it affects your mood the next day, even if you don't drink very much. Um, you can get into arguments. There's a lot of bad things that happen with alcohol. Not to mention, I've always been good about not getting into the car, but if you get into the car, you can commit very serious crime. You could get sued. That one thing has numerous negative consequences. So I've decided that I'm going to become an ancestral alcohol drinker, which means, which means I'm only going to drink at those times during the year that are um, connected to the times of my ancestors. So I'm still going to drink. I'm not going to stop drinking. But, you know, for example, Mardi Gras. I'm going to celebrate Mardi Gras, and it's going to be followed by fasting. So, or the summer solstice, or if there's a social event during the summer. But only when it's at a social event, when I'm with my friends, and when it's connected to historical times of year, where a little bit of celebration is okay. You know, we were not designed to drink every day. We just weren't. That is, If you're in that habit, don't do it. Change that. Have that be your anti-keystone habit that you're going to remove. So that's my, uh, what I'm encouraging you to do is to adopt one micro-keystone and to remove one micro-keystone. And also, most importantly, to buy the work of James Clear, Atomic Habits, as well as... The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. I recently did a blogcast, uh, a, a blog on this particular topic as well. I do have the links to both of their work. Um, please um, check out rockneycole.com and click on those links. I am a participating member of Amazon, so I do get a small portion that helps support the show if you do buy those books. So thank you for your time. If you've made it here, I appreciate every, all of you. Uh, and so we're going to continue making more frequent Rockney Cass on various um, topics. I think we're really narrowing down our focus. It's going to be fasting, habits, and the ancients, the wisdom of the ancients, and all of the different ways that those three topics intersect with one another. Thank you so much for um, sharing this time with me on the Rockney Cast. Until next time.